Welcome to Series 2 of the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcast. I'm Leslie Goodburn and I decided to develop the podcast after the death of my husband Seth from pancreatic cancer. I wanted to help others understand the disease, its impact, the work that goes on every day to find treatments and hopefully one day a cure. Throughout the series you'll be accompanied by me and my friend Charlotte Foster from Charlotte Foster Productions and we'll talk all about the aspects of the disease from biology to emotional and physical impact. Along the way we'll meet patients, families, doctors, nurses, oncologists, researchers, lots of different people with varied and different interesting experiences of the disease. The podcast will be frank about the reality of the disease. They will show the commitment and dedication of people working to support a breakthrough in a cancer where survival rates have barely changed in the last 50 years. But they will also focus on the love, the community of support and personal stories of those whose lives are affected. So join us on our second journey of discovery via the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts, made in memory of Seth Goodburn. I'm pretty confident I don't need to tell you that this month, November, is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. So some good news from the podcast is that you're going to hear from us a little bit more often this month. In fact, we have six episodes planned for the whole of November. So that's really exciting for you. Uh, the whole point is, of course, just to raise awareness of what is going on in the world of pancreatic cancer. From We'll hear from people who are patients, we'll hear from researchers, and we'll hear from campaigners too. So hopefully we can all spread the word. Well, today we'll be hearing about Precision Pank. Now, these are clinical trials that are taking place across the UK. I think there's 25 different sites. It's all delivered through the NHS. I went to the Christie in Manchester to talk to Professor Juan Valle. For a number of years, we've been doing clinical trials where we compare treatment A versus treatment B. Um, and sometimes that shows an improvement. Um, but unfortunately, in pancreas cancer, many times um, we haven't really made the improvements that we wanted to. And relatively recently, in the past few years, there was a very large trial with over a thousand patients who were included um, in a similar study like this. And unfortunately, it showed no improvement to the treatment. And that meant that a lot of patients had taken part in clinical trials. So it really challenged us to think about how we can do research differently. And um, we've begun to understand that across different types of cancers, we, we use the word cancer as one word, but actually it's hundreds of different diseases. And it's likely that even within pancreas cancer, there are different subgroups or different types of, of um, pancreatic cancer and we maybe should be thinking about having specific treatments for the various subgroups. That's all perfect but first of all we need to do the groundwork and understand what those subgroups look like, how we define them and that's the background really to where Precision Pan came along. So it's really setting up this big platform to allow us to be able to um, uh, initially uh, do some tests to find out about the different subgroups so that we can then build on from there. Feels like a very big project this. I absolutely agree. It's, it's a huge project. Um, and in fact, 
what we would like to do uh, in future, and this is a few years down the line, is to be able to take a biopsy from somebody's cancer and say, you have this particular profile, and therefore for this profile, you need treatment X or Y. But before we get to that stage, there's an awful lot of work that we need to do. So working backwards, we need to make sure that first of all, we've taken the tissue so that we can do the genetic analysis, so that we can do the trials and so on. Now, what has happened in the past is that um, patients have undergone a normal biopsy so that we can just give the normal standard of care treatment. And then if patients wanted to take part in clinical trials or research, often they needed to have another biopsy. And what we're trying to do is to change that completely and say, you know, what we really need to improve outcomes for patients with pancreas cancer. So let's do these biopsies right at the beginning. So we want to make it completely normal that we have research biopsies as well as a standard of care biopsies done all at the same time so that we can then build on that. But that does mean changing the normal day-to-day -day practice of the diagnosis, scans and biopsies not just in research centers, but hopefully in every hospital that treats pancreatic cancer. You've got a big job on your hands then. <laughs> uh, yes, and, and I think it's about us thinking differently. We, we, you know, we all know that the outcomes of pancreatic cancer, unfortunately, are, are, are poor. And so we really must not miss any opportunity to try and improve things. And that means getting everybody engaged and uh, getting clinicians, doctors and nurses engaged and uh, getting patients engaged, getting their families to who support them. And um, so that everybody signs up to improving how we do things, which means taking part in um, projects like Precision Pank, where we can then hopefully learn as we go along and improve as we go along. Mentioned a little bit earlier on about how we think of cancer as just one thing, but actually there's lots, it's lots of different things. Um, and talking about pancreatic cancer then, how many types of pancreatic cancer are there at the moment, are we, are we thinking? So we've known for a, f a few years that the common type of pancreatic cancer is called uh, an adenocarcinoma, which is gland-forming cancer. Um, we also know that there are some rarer types of pancreas cancer, um, pancreatic neuroendocrine tumors, for example, and traditionally we don't include them in the, in the term pancreatic cancer, but it is a rare subgroup. So that's what we know from the past. Looking forward, we really don't know where this will end because there may be two, three, four, fifteen different types of pancreatic cancer. And we need to learn about those. What is the signature of those cancers and what is it about those cancers that allows them to be to respond to one treatment and not another? So how is this research taking place then? So what's happening with um, Precision Pank is that um, if uh, a patient is, is found to have a problem in the pancreas and, and pancreas cancer is suspected, then we are uh, through a process called informed consent, inviting patients to uh, give permission for some additional biopsies to be taken for research. If it turns out that there isn't a cancer there, well, all well and good, okay, and that's a relief for everybody. Um, but if there is a cancer, at least then we've got the tissue that we can use to be able to um, start analyzing and understanding a bit more about that individual patient's cancer. So 
At that stage, it's really just giving consent for some extra biopsies to be taken. If a cancer is found, then what we'd like to do is to also be able to invite patients to participate in different clinical trials. Um, initially, the biggest trial, which is already open, um, allows patients to participate if they have advanced disease, so it's not possible to do an operation, um, and patients are fit enough to have chemotherapy. So it's what we call a first-line chemotherapy trial for advanced disease. There's a number of studies at the moment that we're planning for second line, which means that you've had your first lot of chemotherapy while it's working, or well and good, but at some point we know that the cancer then starts getting worse again, and that's what we call a second line trial. And what we're trying to do now is to um, open a study that will take subgroups of patients into a second line clinical trials. Uh, and we've also got a trial open for patients who have got um, resectable disease, uh, and that means that we take a biopsy before surgery, and then more importantly, after they've had surgery and some other treatment in the form of chemotherapy, we can then look at what's happened to the cancer uh, and what we can learn from, from those patients also. What will happen in, during these trials? If, if I was a patient, what would I be going through? So at this stage, it is very much about um, uh, trying to find out whether there are patient subgroups and how they behave. So we're not yet at the stage where we take a biopsy and we can say to you, your biopsy shows this abnormality and therefore you need to have this treatment. We're not there yet. That's where we're aiming for and it will take some time to get there. So, for example, at the moment, if you have advanced disease and you give consent to take part in the clinical trial, um, we are comparing two different combinations of chemotherapy. One has three drugs, one has two drugs. The difference between those two, the three and the two, is the one drug, which is a platinum drug. And what we're trying to work out is whether your genetic signature increases the, the chances of responding to a platinum drug. So it's a relatively simple question to start with uh, and then as we go along and we learn more about um, the, the cancer we might be able to then say because you have this signature you need a platinum drug but we don't quite know that yet. If anyone's listening and they're thinking I really want to take part in a trial this sounds like something that I'm attracted to the idea of this what, what do people need to do? What, can, can anybody take part in these trials? So yes, this is open to um, patients who uh, are unfortunately diagnosed with uh, pancreas cancer. It can be either at a stage where it's early and, and might be thinking about surgery or uh, as happens most of the time uh, for patients where the disease is diagnosed at more of an advanced stage. What I would say is that if you as a patient are already established on treatment don't jump around treatments that's not what we should be doing um, but there are different times where you could join the precision punk uh, initiative uh, usually when you're about to change treatments for example or if you're about to start treatment so we would certainly encourage um, patients and families to discuss this with uh, their oncologist who's giving them the treatment thankfully i have no direct Kind of knowledge of this but if you're a patient going through this sort of treatment and then there's a chance of a trial there must be a lot of emotions that go through patients at this point as well 
Yeah, so, so clinical research and clinical trials, um, they, they have certain connotations and different people understand different things. Um, so the, 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 one of the commonest questions um, that, uh, that I get asked is, you know, will I be getting a placebo or a dummy drug? Um, and uh, sometimes it is necessary to use placebos uh, within clinical trials. The current studies in, in Precision Pank and Primus 1 in particular, which is the study I talked about earlier, does not use any dummy drugs or placebos. So we know what treatment you're getting. Um, we also know that um, patients who participate in clinical trials do seem to have a better outcome. And we know this from other types of cancers as well. And probably that comes down to the fact that they're followed up more closely. There's extra visits, extra monitoring. Uh, and, and for those reasons, sometimes patients do better by just taking part in the trial, regardless of whatever treatment they receive. So in that case, someone who has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, it could be that the trial really helps them, couldn't it? So it could be that the trial helps them um, and uh, it allows us to understand a bit better about the disease. Uh, it allows them to have treatment in a very um, uh, carefully planned and monitored uh, style. Um, but we must be clear that sometimes within clinical trials, we find that the advantage of a, the new treatment isn't as much as we hoped. So even if the trial turns out to be negative, uh, by which we mean the treatment is no better, I think the additional information that we can learn from the biopsies, from looking at the outcomes, uh, will hopefully benefit other patients as well coming as the next generation also need treatment. And as we've sort of said to start with, this, this research is very long-term research, isn't it? It's not going to solve an issue in the next two, three weeks. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I, I think one of the things that we'd like um, this to become is more of a normal process. So um, there has been a lot of work and a lot of investment uh, to make sure that the, the whole principle of uh, taking additional biopsies uh, looking at it under the, uh, the microscope, looking at gene uh, analysis, understanding more about the cancer, becomes the normal. So that rather than being a project that starts and stops, this hopefully changes how patients in the NHS are receiving treatment. Uh, as we are seeing you know, in, other, in other countries also, this is happening and in other cancers. If someone does sign up for the trial and then a couple of weeks later, they're not sure if it's the right thing for them to do can you know can you put your hand up at any point and go i'm not i'm not i'm not enjoying this this isn't for me yes absolutely and and um, people are under no duress at all to um, to uh, continue with the trial if they don't feel comfortable there are different elements to it so obviously if you have agreed to uh, have an additional biopsy and the biopsy has been taken um, you, you know, it would be useful to still use that uh, although you can decide I don't want any of that information to be used but having been taken you know it would, it would, it would seem a little counterproductive but it's very much within people's right to withdraw at any time. If you're then going on to have some chemotherapy, then the oncologists are familiar with how to manage uh, side effects and trying to get the balance right between quality of life and the number of visits and, and side effects that come. Uh, oncologists will be working to try and make those better. Um, but again, if at any point you decided to um, stop um, taking part in the clinical trial, you can do that. 
then we will uh, obviously try and uh, understand whether you're comfortable with all the information that's being collected to that point still being used um, and whether it's okay to still just have some follow-up information um, but if you decided that you wanted to completely stop and no other information to be used uh, then obviously we would honor that so far during the process what have you achieved that you're quite proud of so far so uh, that's a good question because it is early days uh, we certainly don't have any results yet um, that we can uh, that we can share with people uh, in terms of which treatment is better there's two things probably i'd like to to highlight um, one is that there was always a concern that the amount of tissue that we could take remember taking a biopsy is taking a very very small amount of tissue and there was always a concern that taking such a small amount of tissue makes it very difficult to um, to analyze for genetics in other words is not enough um, and uh, thankfully uh, the team in uh, glasgow have been very uh, good at being able to and get the genetic signatures even from small amounts of tissue. So that's been one good thing. Um, the second thing I'd like to highlight is that in addition to looking at the genetics, we are focusing on uh, what we call circulating biomarkers. Uh, we know it's difficult to get um, biopsies very often, um, but sometimes it is possible to identify little fragments of DNA which are just in the bloodstream. Uh, so uh, the other piece of work that we're doing is looking at whether we can identify those fragments and follow those up as we're going through with the treatment. Um, again, it's too early to see what the results are, but thankfully uh, we're in a good position where we're getting all those samples in to be able to analyze those later on. And if I can add a third thing, um, the other thing that's worked uh, particularly well, I think, within Precision Pank has been um, the engagement that we've had from uh, patients and uh, the, the charities. Um, so just to give you an example, we had a round table uh, fairly recently where we had you know, other charities represented and patient advocacy represented, as well as the research groups. Um, and there's... Um, there's a very strong group with a precision pank advisory group which is made up of patients and carers uh, who are also very much advising on what we should be doing as researchers and what's acceptable to patients and, and whether what we're asking from, from patients is, is reasonable and very much taking those comments on board so it's a partnership I want to talk a little bit about the past when you were a young junior doctor is this how you saw your career going? Is this what you ultimately wanted to be to be doing? So my career has always centered around clinical research, uh, as well as uh, obviously delivering a service and looking after patients. Um, so I've been a consultant now coming up to 20 years. And uh, within that time, I've always been involved and in, in leading clinical trials. I think what's changed is the nature of the trials. We now have much more sophisticated technology, for example. Um, so, you know, running somebody's DNA used to take one person three weeks to do this. And uh, now we've got, you know, very good machines that can now do this automatically, and it is a much faster process. So what we can do and, and how we can accelerate um, the, the developments are now much faster than they were before. But it also means we need to think uh, about designing studies that use those technologies more efficiently because what drives all of us is better treatments for patients, better outcomes. And if we can speed that process up, then I think it's better for, for everybody, especially the patients.
I think it's my pleasure to be really part of a big national team. Uh, I don't think any of us can do these in, this in isolation. Um, I think we are um, including the whole team from basic science researchers who are working in laboratory, clinicians such as myself, and both in medical oncology, radiotherapists. Um, we're also working with translational scientists, and that means people who can work on um, blood samples and biopsies that come from a clinical trial to understand much more about um, what, what they mean and, and how that should then feed back into the, the, the clinical trial design through to you know research nurses as well as funding bodies and 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 patients and and their partners uh, who are supporting us so a big team effort uh, and i think we can only move forward by continuing that as a team i left that interview at the christie with professor juan valet feeling really uplifted if i'm being honest the the amount of work that is going in to this this research the precision pank uh, work the clinical trials it does feel huge and massive and yet yeah, it's going to take a long time but something's happening something is on the way i'm pretty sure of it as i said at the beginning of the episode november is pancreatic cancer awareness month so you're going to hear a few more episodes from us here at purple rainbow pancreatic cancer podcasts um we're hoping for six as i said and um, i can't say thank you enough to everybody who has supported us making these podcasts we can't do these podcasts without raising some money so people have been very generous and sponsored these podcasts today's episode has been sponsored by linda chapel so thank you so much to linda for contributing that if you want to um get in touch with us let us know what you're up to for pancreatic cancer awareness month or if you want to help sponsor us in the future because you know what we're going to keep going with these podcasts for as long as we physically can then get in touch via the website so that's purplerainbow.co.uk and of course keep your eyes and ears open for the next episode which is due to come out on the 10th of november